evening. Good evening and welcome, welcome, welcome to Daring Dialogues. I'm your host tonight, Shante Charles. I hope that you are having a great and wonderful day. We are back in Women's History Month. But before we jump into our reading on tonight, I do want to give a shout out and congratulations to Andre Henry on the drop of his new book, All the White Friends I Couldn't Keep. Now, I did uh, convince a bookseller to get me my copy before it dropped. So um, I have had a chance to uh, look through and I'm excited about this particular read. The title speaks to me because I don't know about you, but if you are doing the work of anti-racism and you are speaking out against racism and white supremacy on a regular basis, you have probably lost some white friends. There were some people that probably dropped off and said, you know what, you're too out there, you're too radical, um, you're, you're too confrontational. Every time I turn on the, the screen to come into your broadcast, you're talking about something with black people and black issues and black things and black love. And yeah, so that's what it is around here. <laughs> and guess what? Some white friends I couldn't keep. And some white friends I gained. Some white friends I couldn't keep. And I say, hasta luego. <laughs> some white friends I couldn't keep. And guess what? God gonna have to keep them. Because I'm not uh, trying to invite certain things back into my life. Um, I'm not interested in friends that gaslight me. I'm not interested in friends that um, deny my lived experiences. So, yeah. There's a lot of white friends I couldn't keep. And on the other side of that, there's a lot of white friends I didn't want to keep. So it's all good. Um, so I think that uh, Andre Henry has something in here for everyone to learn from. So I encourage you to get the book. None of us should want to be in a space where people are, or connected to people who are denying our lived experiences. So congratulations to him. And we are now moving into our continued reading for Women's History Month. One is from Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. And the other one is She Raised Her Voice, 50 Black Women Who Sang Their Way Into Music History. We are gonna start out tonight with the Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. And again, these are stories about women from all over the world. Obviously, we're not going to be able to get through all of them, but I do highly recommend the book. Just so uh, if you're interested in learning more and educating yourself, which is always what we promote here on this platform, I do recommend picking it up and learning some more. So tonight's reading starts out with a young woman by the name of Cheeto Guevara, C-H-I-D-O, Cheeto Guevara, and she is a mushroom farmer. She was born in 1986 in Zimbabwe, and this is what she had to say. I've been able to reclaim myself. This is something that's required for every individual. We are not what happened to us. Now, if you've taken any coaching courses with me, you know that I often say that I am not what happened to me. Um, I am not my emotions. My emotions are not me. 
definite affirmations that you want to put in your nowhere as you walk through your own process of transformation. Cheeto was born in a poverty-stricken part of Zimbabwe. She had difficult had a difficult childhood. She became an orphan at the age of seven and dropped out of school at the age of nine to take care of her younger brother and her blind grandmother. As a way to make money, she looked after a field of crops. When she tried to grow different vegetables like maize, they all failed. When she was 11, she attended a program that changed her life and her community forever. There, she learned about oyster mushrooms. Mushrooms are not just a food, she discovered. They also help other crops grow and provide income to people who tend to them. Cheeto put her new knowledge to work, and less than a week after she returned home from the program, she had her first harvest. She cooked up her mushrooms and served them with small pieces of chicken. She sold her dishes, and customers loved them. Soon, Cheeto earned enough money to feed her family and send her brother along with other orphans to school. In time, Cheeto learned, earned enough to return to school herself. She learned to speak English and studied the science of mushrooms more deeply, marveling at how they can be used to remove toxins from soil and water. She has since traveled around the world to study medicinal mushrooms as well. Learning about mushrooms transformed Cheeto's life. Now she transforms the lives of others through education and job opportunities. Cheeto Guevara. Our next read tonight comes from another well-known person in United States history, and that is Clara Hale. She is a humanitarian. Born April 1st, 1905, transitioned December 18, 1992. Some people call Clara a saint, but she was just a woman who never turned away a person in need. Clara became an orphan in her teens and a widow after just three years of marriage. She had three children, started a daycare, and opened her home in New York City to foster children. By age 64, Clara had fostered 40 children. After she retired, she thought she'd slow down, but one day a mother arrived at her door with a sick baby. Clara worried about caring for a child with such serious needs, but the mother gave her no choice. She abandoned the wailing child. A few days later, the mother dropped off the rest of her children as well. Clara did what she did best. She cared for them all. Word got out that she would take on even the most difficult cases. Some children arrived so ill that Clara stayed up all night to soothe them. She sang to them, played with them, and read to them. Then she helped the parents learn to care for them too. The community took care of Mother Hale. They donated clothes, food, money to her and the children. She always had everything she needed. Eventually, the need for her program grew so large, she applied for money from the government. With it, she bought a five-story brownstone that neighbors called Hale House. After Clara passed away, her daughter, Dr. Lorraine Hale, carried on her legacy. She said, as long as there are babies in need of love and care, Hale House must be here to meet their needs. Clara said, hold them, rock them, love them, and tell them how great they are. And this is a great rendition and rendering of Clara Hale herself.
All right, the last reading from tonight's book is another Clara. She is uh, living in the United Kingdom, born July 30th, 1980. Clara was a bubbly young girl who loved music and dancing, but she was different from the other kids in the neighborhood. Clara was born with a disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. This illness made her bones weak and caused her constant pain. Over the years, the illness became worse and Clara had to start using a wheelchair. She had to plan her activities in advance to be able to manage the pain and to make sure she had time to rest and recover afterwards. Still, Clara went out with friends. She went to the gym, traveled, and always dressed to the nines. Her friends told her she should start a blog to document her style. Clara thought this was a big idea. She named the blog Rolling Funky. One day, two women chased Clara and her boyfriend down the road. Why are you following us? They asked. The lady said they had spotted Clara in her four-inch heels from a nearby coffee shop. They were amazed to see someone so fashionable in a wheelchair. They were scouts from a modeling agency, and they wanted to sign her. She joined the agency and became an instant hit on social media. Soon she was working with fashion brands, fitness brands, watch brands, and more. Clara uses her platform to promote body positivity and self-love. She is proud to show the world that people with disabilities are just like everyone else, striving to live their best lives every day. Clara had this to say, I think it's important for women to celebrate their bodies and feel comfortable in the skin they're in. Bravo, Clara. Bravo. All right, we are moving to our second book for this evening, and that is she raised her voice, 50 Black Women Who Sang Their Way Into Music History. I think we're going to have one very, very familiar voice, and the other two you might not have heard of, and that's fine because we are here to learn. The first voice on tonight that we'll be looking at is... Patty LaBelle. I don't know. I don't really know anybody who hasn't heard at least one Patty LaBelle song. But if that's you tonight and you've never heard a Patty LaBelle song, I encourage you to hop on YouTube or Spotify or Tidal or any of those other platforms and type in Patty LaBelle. Uh, one song I know that was a song around my household quite a bit was If You Only Knew. And um, the other one was New Attitude. So I do remember those. Anytime I hear her name, those are the two songs that tend to uh, pop in my mind when I think about Patti LaBelle. Patti is still living. She was born May 24th, 1944. And the genres that Patty is known for is R&B and soul. And she is known as the godmother of soul. Patty LaBelle said this, if a diva means giving your best, then yes, I guess I am a diva. Patty LaBelle has a glistening high soprano voice that rises and falls like the wings of an eagle. She is known for her heartfelt expression in the song, Wind Beneath My Wings and her transcendent version of Judy Garland's Over the Rainbow. 
Patty grew up in a family where her parents didn't get along. It was very hard on her brothers and sisters, but 12-year-old Patty found an outlet for her sorrows by singing in church. At age 16, she entered a talent show and won, which opened doors for her to sing in a group called the Ordettes. The group showed that they were good enough to record albums with Patty as their lead singer. Patty, however, wasn't treated very well because her skin was dark and she wasn't considered to be as beautiful as most singers, which is not the truth. But she rose above the harshness of the music industry and proved to the world that she was beautiful and loved, even if few people didn't think so. The Ordette's name was eventually changed to Patti LaBelle and the Bluebells. And in 1963, the group released their first hit song, Down the Aisle, followed by another one called You'll Never Walk Alone. As 1970 approached, the group was asked to change their look and sound to mirror the new music craze, disco. Patty's group started to wear shiny makeup and glamorous silver costumes similar to those worn by rock stars like David Bowie and Elton John. They also shortened the name of their group to La Belle. Their first albums, La Belle and Moon Shadow, were released in 1971 and 1972. But it was their third album, Nightbirds, produced in 1974, that would become their most successful. On the album was the song they are best known for, Lady Marmalade. The song sold more than one million copies and launched Patty to a new level of success. LaBelle released two more albums called Phoenix and Chameleon, but the group began to fight. And because of this, Patty felt like it was time to start a solo career. Patty is a dynamic and exciting entertainer. The world quickly took to her solo music and loved how she waved her arms and swayed while singing passionately. Patty picks up her microphone stand and swings it over her shoulders, smiling and singing to her audiences and telling them stories about her family and the happy and sad times in her life. The song, You Are My Friend, has become her signature recording. She has recovered, recorded several great albums and has showcased her ability as an actress by performing in the Broadway musical, Your Arms Too Short to Box with God. In 1986, her album, Winter in You, was number one in America and sold millions of copies. Throughout the 90s and 2000s, Patty continued to record albums and wow fans with her stage presence. Recently, she's also starred in popular shows like Dancing with the Stars and The Masked Singer. In recent years, Patty has enjoyed running a successful business selling her sweet potato pies, which fly off the shelves. She's not only a music icon and superstar, but she's actually feeding her fans as well. Patty LaBelle. All right, this next singer is by the name of Darlene Love. Darlene is also still living. Born July 26, 1941, from the R&B and pop genres, she is seen as a re-emerging star. Darlene says, I'm always happy to be a part of history. When you're a part of history, you live forever. Pop singer Darlene Wright has one of the greatest comebacks in music history. Her story begins in Los Angeles, where she grew up. Like many successful singers, she got her early training in a church choir. 
How about we not knock the church choirs? Mm -hmm. Darlene loved music so much that by the time she was in high school, she joined a band called The Echoes, which later provided her the chance to sing with a 1960s girl group called The Blossoms. Darlene jumped at the opportunity to work with one of the world's most famous music producers, Phil Spector, with The Blossoms. She had such a beautiful voice that many famous musicians wanted her to sing on their albums, from Elvis Presley to the Beach Boys and even Sonny and Cher. She also recorded her most memorable song, Christmas, Baby Please Come Home, while working with Spectre. Her singing career soared in the 60s, but things began to slow down as the years marched on. When Darlene sang the lead for a hit song, He's a Rebel, in 1962, her producer decided to tell the world that the song was performed by another group, causing her to lose a big opportunity and money as the singer of such a popular song. As her gigs began to dry up, Darlene found herself working odd jobs like cleaning houses just to make ends meet. But through it all, she kept singing whenever she could. It would be more than 10 years before Darlene was rediscovered by guitar player Steve Van Zant of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. She was playing a show in a club in Los Angeles where Steven was in the audience. He liked her performance so much that he asked her to move to New York City to begin working regularly as a singer and actor. Darlene decided to give New York a chance and soon landed a job singing in the musical Leader of the Pack in the 80s. Her biggest job, though, was her performance of her 20-year-old hit song, Christmas, Baby Please Come Home, on the popular show Late Night with David Letterman. She would go on to sing this song on the show every year for nearly 20 years. In 2015, she even recorded a new album introducing Darlene Love, and she continues to sing and perform to this day. Talk about a comeback. That's what you call a comeback. If you notice, you're starting to see a pattern um, with a lot of these singers who are getting their start in the choirs. And good evening to those of you who are coming in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Our last singer for tonight is a singer by the name of Barbara Lynn. Barbara is also still living. Born January 16, 1942. She is known for the genre of blues music, and she's known as a soulful electric guitarist. She said, I decided that playing piano was a little bit too common. Know what I mean? Blues musician Barbara Lynn was interested in music from the time she was a little girl. Her parents played blues songs and danced around the house together, giving Barbara a peek into how much soul and rock and roll music they could bring joy to anyone who listened. When she was very young, Barbara Lynn Ozen would use her windowsill as a keyboard while she pretended to play an imaginary piano. She soon started real piano lessons and began writing poems, setting them to music. But when she turned 12, she saw blues and pop stars like B.B. King and Elvis Presley performing on TV, and she became fascinated with the guitar. She also had it in her mind that she wanted to play something unusual. She admired black women singers like Etta James and Ruth Brown and had seen women playing piano and singing on TV. 
but she hadn't really seen a black woman playing guitar. So Barbara began her guitar journey by playing a ukulele, and once she got good at that, her mother bought her a guitar. While still in grade school, Barbara learned to play her electric guitar and started a band called Bobby Lynn and Her Idols. Her band won talent shows and impressed the crowds. People were excited to see a black girl electric guitarist leading her own band. In high school, she played in an all-girl group, but soon realized the other girls in the band didn't want her to grow up to be, they didn't want to grow up to be music stars like she did. That made Barbara decide to make music on her own. And by the time she was 20 years old in 1962, she had a hit song on the radio called You'll Lose a Good Thing. The song's success made her a famous musician and gave her the opportunity to tour with big stars of the time like Tina Turner, Marvin Gaye, and James Brown. She released myriad albums like Sister of Soul in 1964, Here is Barbara Lynn in 1968, and five more between the 80s and the 2000s. Barbara set her mind to becoming a successful musician from an early age, and she did just that. She has continued to play music well into her 70s and still inspires Black women guitarists to follow their dreams to be themselves. Barbara Lynn. All right. So anybody out there have an instrument that they've been thinking about picking up, wanting to play, etc., etc. I will tell you this. I have wanted to play the guitar, but um, I've tried. I'm not picking it up. I might have to take some actual lessons. But I have wanted to play the piano for a very, very long time. And I started teaching myself. I took some lessons. I realized that um, for some I think I'm dyslexic <laughs> when it comes to reading music in scales because when I look at a music scale, it looks like all of the notes literally fall off of the scale and into an alphabet soup. Like that's how I look when I read, that's what it looks like. It looks like jumbled notes in a bowl, like alphabet soup. So um, I do play by ear. So that's what I've been working on is playing by ear. And I can pick out notes, I can pick out tunes. And that is really how I have constructed my last two albums is being able to hear um, music, play it by ear, and then tell the producers and show the producers what I hear and let them take it from there. <laughs> so um, I am encouraged because yesterday we talked about Shaka and how uh, Shaka Khan does not uh, read music. And so everybody has, you know, their, their strengths and everybody has their weaknesses, but it's what you do with those strengths and weaknesses that determines how far you will go. All right. That is my reading for tonight. If you would like to come on and talk about any of the women that we have shared on tonight, feel free to click on the camera and I will happily bring you in and you can share with me what you got out of tonight's reading and any insights that you want to share while I'm on this topic and waiting uh, for anyone who's interested in coming in. 
this Friday, you want to be on here with us. 6.05, we are going to be having Lady Artina Ngoma coming in with us and sharing her upcoming release. Um, it's a personal memoir um, type of work. And so we're going to be having a chat and she's going to be reading aloud and we're going to be diving into some interesting topics. So I hope that you will join us on Friday. All right. I think we have Mr. Ben coming in tonight, Pastor Ben. Thank you, Pastor Ben, for always being brave to hit that button. <laughs> Good evening. Yeah. Yeah, Shaka was I yesterday. Need, I, need, I need to spank my butt. <laughs> Shaka. It's okay. All right. That, that, was, one, that was one of my, that's one of my all-time favorites, Shaka. Yeah, I did in, uh, in uh, South Africa, and they look like Shaka Khan. The, I told them that. Right. The who? The who? What group and of people? Like a set of twins in South Africa. Oh, okay. A set of twins in South Africa. It looks like Shaka Khan. I told them that. And they actually Googled her. And they said, she's beautiful. They had <laughs> never heard of her. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is something I, I have come across. You know, that a lot of people that are famous to us in America... Other people in other parts of the world are still discovering them. So um, I try not to, especially if I'm in like a diaspora conversation or group, I try not to assume that everybody knows these people. And I often say that in the group that, that we have, um, especially with Black Americans, because we, we're good for posting a picture of somebody we all know without a label or a name. I'm like, there are people from all over the world in this group, so you're gonna need to identify who this is and what they're known for. Cause just because you know them doesn't mean other people in the world know them. Well, Pastor Shante, they don't only do that for the people. They do that with, with the event that might happen, they might, might come in and people that don't know about the event, they're like oblivious. Okay, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, give us some context about why you said what you said, what's going on. Just put your thought out there. There's no names, no situations, no nothing. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, there's a lot I could say about that as a teacher, but I won't get into it tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I want to talk about Cheeto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the from Zimbabwe. Yeah, the mushroom lady. Mm-hmm. Mm. And just think, just think, she took, got into mushrooms, took mushrooms, and made a great living off of it. Yeah. Now, that's, I thought that was very interesting because I'm allergic yeah. to mushrooms. And I am, I've actually... Um, I don't know if you've heard of the drink product, Organo Gold. Yeah. Organo Gold, the coffee is made from a particular mushroom that is very, that is a medicinal mushroom. And 
I love the, the taste of Organo Gold, but I started having some issues. And then I had to realize, wait a minute, this is made out of mushrooms. I'm allergic to mushrooms. So all of the wonderful medicinal properties that everybody else was getting, I wasn't getting them. And so, you know, I, I think it's very awesome that she was able to just take this one thing and focus on it and create a whole livelihood for herself, for her family. And like they said, now she's educating and empowering others from it. Mm-hmm. Well, back in the day, they called them shrooms. Shrooms. <laughs> yeah, because that's what white folks were eating, the wild shrooms. Okay. High up. Oh, mm, okay. Yeah. And they called them shrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to, I don't want to get high off. I don't want to be in an altered state of mind. <laughs> no. No. But now, another person I want to talk about is Clara Hill. Mm-hmm. She retired, but I, I, I like this because this is what came to my mind. Her calling chased her down. Her calling chased her down. Mm, yeah. Thought she was getting away from everything. She gets a knock on the door. <laughs> Wait a minute, you ain't done yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you just love that part of your calling, Pastor Ben? <laughs> oh, 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 yes. Oh, listen, I, I go through it every time. I think, okay, I'm gonna take a break. I'm, I'm, I'm good now. I'm gonna be good for a while. Here we go. Listen, you don't understand. Like, well, yeah, you do understand. But I'm just saying, like. I'm the kind of person where if I wasn't doing daring dialogues, you would probably see me like once a month on social media. Like people don't understand that about me. (laughs) It's like, listen, I'm a very internal person. Like I can have a whole concert conversation Like, I can entertain myself just with my own thoughts. So the fact that I'm out here engaging the way that I am engaging really is because God told me to. (laughs) Now, that's not to say I don't enjoy it. I enjoy it. But I'm saying I don't necessarily need it. Like some people need to be in this kind of engagement because they feed off of it for energy. Uh That's not my case. I am, my energy fueling comes from the internal things that I'm doing. Having time to reflect and think and yeah. Well, believe it or not, but I'm a quiet person. I can believe that. I can believe that. I used to I used to be quieter. I used to be real quiet. Now I didn't used to be a quiet person. I was the exact opposite before Christ. I was very everything was really external. But it was because I because it was because I was not facing myself. Somebody came along and woke me up. And one of my sisters asked him, what did you do to my brother? <laughs> That's funny. 
<laughs> you know, because they knew I was that quiet person. I would say something every. I was like my dad. My dad was quiet. But when he spoke, it it knocked you out. I mean, it was like wow. You know, you were either going to be rolling on the floor because it was going to be so funny, or you were going to be in light. Now, my husband thinks I'm an improvisational comic for some reason. He he tends to find just about everything I say I can understand that. humorous. And I'm like, but I'm not trying to make jokes. <laughs> I can understand that. Well, see, with you, it's natural. I have a niece that's like that. She can take any any subject that you have with her, and it, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in that conversation, you're going to start laughing <laughs> because she's going to say something. It's the way she said and the way she, you know, you mm -hmm. know, uh, act what she's saying or respond or whatever. It just, it just has, has you roll it. It's, it's just who she is. It's yeah. Like it, I couldn't, I, I thought about it. I said, I don't, I don't think I could be a comic because to me, comic comedy takes planning and mm -hmm. timing and punchlines and that kind of thing. But, um yeah i'm like if you try to if you say tell a joke i couldn't tell one right but it just in conversation i just find certain things to be funny and mm -hmm. hilarious and so it like you said i think it comes out more so in conversation than um if i were to plan something but the other thing i wanted to touch on with with the singers is you keep right. seeing this pattern, um, especially last night, there's lots of um, either abandonment, mm -hmm. um, not really being the, the chosen or accepted person, mm -hmm. um, some sort of childhood trauma, and some start in somebody's church. Like almost all of the ones that we read there was a there was a spiritual grounding that gave an outlet to their talent that uh -huh. led them to other places like and that's why I was I jokingly said you know let's not knock the church choir because just to be honest as a singer a lot of us don't like the choir can i be honest can i be honest tonight <laughs> Can I be honest tonight? A lot of us well, don't like choirs. Singers. The, I'm talking about singers. A lot of us do not like the choir. Some of us don't like the structure. Some of us don't uh -huh. like um, all the rehearsals. <laughs> uh -huh. Some of us don't like the choir director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of us don't like the people that we have to sing with who have their own personal issues and vendettas and all that going on. Like, yeah. So I've, I've had some interesting experiences with choirs from collegiate choir, like singing in a college choir to church choirs to my grandmother, like the first time I ever visited a church, I was like 13. And my grandmother trying to put me in a choir at 13 with other children. And 
Some of the church children really couldn't sing, but because their parents were leaders, <laughs> you know the rest. That, that's one of the biggest. That, that's one of the biggest problems I had with church choir. Oh God! <laughs> oh come on, get in the choir, but they can't sing. Oh well, they're the pastor's niece or the head deacon's uh, grandson and. All this type of stuff. They they can't sing, but you're always giving them a lead. Like I I never understood that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. why are you putting this child up here to torture us? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. But I think just looking at some of these stories is very interesting that a lot of them got their start in a choir. Mm -hmm. And how even though you might necessarily not um, like the format of a choir or like some of the things about a choir, it was still giving them a chance to develop their voice. It was still giving them a chance to develop discipline and practice and rehearsals um, and singing parts over and over again and learning different parts. Because as a singer, you are eventually going to be doing that, but you're going to be doing it on your own and for yourself. And it's going to become, you know, that work for you. As a matter of fact, I think we talked about Janet already. I think Janet might've been last night, but I started looking at her um, documentary. And I looked at part one and the thing that kind of stood out, cause she said she started singing like at eight. They, they put her up to start singing at around eight in Las Vegas. And she was like, they were like the only child act during that time because everything else was very adult. And she talked about how for them, you know, people kind of looked at them and it was very entertaining to them. But on her end, it was work. Uh -huh. And I said, that really kind of puts it in perspective, especially for people who do it full time. It's like on the consumer end, you, all you're seeing is the entertainment and you're excited because you're being entertained. But on the other side of that, for that person, to, that performs, it is work. <laughs> well, well, now we discussed something similar to this when when the when all of a sudden the uh, athletes were taking some time off mm -hmm. because they were about to have nervous breakdowns and stuff, and people said, "Well, I don't see why. That's work. That's pressure. Yeah. You know, you put your life on hold." You're battling and dealing with a whole bunch of different things at one time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, most athletes would understand that, you know. And it wasn't, it's interesting because it wasn't until last night when she was talking and they were showing the footage of her mm -hmm. as a young child being put into the industry. Um, I didn't really get it. Like, this is nonstop training, rehearsal. And like she said, at eight years old, she was doing two shows a night. At night, as an eight-year-old. That's work. Yeah. 
And she talked about how, you know, she wanted to participate in normal kind of everyday childhood things like her friends, you know, would go to parties or they would be playing a sport or they'd be, you know, trying out for different things. But she had none of that because her entire childhood was dedicated to making her into a music star. Well, I know we're talking about women, but that's what happened to Michael. Yeah. And she shows that a little bit in the in the footage that she's using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But so, she she also yeah. expressed the fact that she was not asked if she wanted to be in the music business. She was just put mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was that was a very serious statement because she said even as she was put in she didn't at first really have the opportunity to be herself they were just kind of trying to sell her image as michael's sister or the jackson sister Uh and so they weren't really interested in her as an individual artist and developing her uniqueness it was simply oh this is another part of the jackson fives Let's see how we can make some more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Now, Patty LaBelle. See, I mean, you went through her beginning. I actually noticed Patty LaBelle with LaBelle. Okay. And let, when, when you were talking about Patty LaBelle, Lady Mama Lot, mm-hmm. that song started playing through my head because I think that's what most of us remember her for. That that song. That's when she got really noticed. The Gitty Gitty Ya 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 song. Yeah. Uli Buku Shayali Abekwa Yeah. So, um. That, I remember that singing song, that as a child and did not know what it meant. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, 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 yeah, because she was singing it and we just started singing it because, hey, it was a part of a song. Mm-hmm. And then as we grew older. <laughs> I'm like, I'm singing, won't you go to bed with me? Like, what? What? Uh-huh. <laughs> Why don't no, no, mama uh, let me sing this song? <laughs> well, see, mama didn't know where to bed either. Right. <laughs> we just thought, you know. She wouldn't let you sing it. Listen, we thought it was kind of like a mama say, mama saw, mama saw. And even that means right. something. <laughs> uh-huh. We yeah. were not like, oh, this is French that she's singing. No, like. <laughs> Yeah, but um, uh, uh, I remember some um, a few things about Patty. I actually, I actually saw her in concert in person. Okay. And it was one of the most awesome experiences, because if you if you ever saw her, I'm I'm not talking about live on television. I'm talking about in person. Mm-hmm. It's like she just lifts you up, grabs you, put her on her back, and said, "Come ride with me." Wow. Seriously. That's what we felt. It was like she brings you in and she just you just go on this journey with her. Now you know the other song that I remember from her, um On My Own. Yeah. With who is it? Is is Michael somebody? Michael McDonald. Okay. Michael McDonald. I didn't want to mess yeah. up the man last name. <laughs> but that was a very powerful song. Um yeah. I remember singing that. 
and my mom singing it out loud and doing all of the notes and everything. Beautiful ballad kind of song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, Michael McDonald, I always said that he was a black man trapped in a white man's fight. <laughs> yeah, a couple of them were. He was definitely one of them. Yeah. Is he the one that sang, I keep forgetting, not in love yeah, anymore. Yeah, that's him. I keep forgetting, he started out with, I will never yeah, that's him. He, he started out with the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, them people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm 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 uh aging myself because I I'm like this is the stuff I grew up on, in terms of people who could sing. They could sing you under the as they say oh, they, they could sing you sang. under the chip. Yeah, they sang. They sang, yeah. sang. So I grew up in the era of sang, sang. <laughs> and if you could not sang, sang, you sat uh-huh. yourself down and you didn't call yourself a singer if you could not sang, sang. But now these days we got auto tune, so everybody think they can sing. Mhm. Yeah. And I'm like, I do not know who keeps calling me from this number, but I wish they would stop because I don't know them. <laughs> All right, go ahead. And uh, Pat, that's super thing. One of the things that fascinated me about the story that you just read of her was how they, they were basically against her. Well, you don't have this quality, you don't have that quality in it. But I know they're kicking themselves in the butt if they're still living. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, when she started, when she was with LaBelle, I know they were kicking themselves in the butt. But she blew up. She became a household name. Hindsight is, hindsight is always, they say, 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember the I remember the flashy costumes with her, her I call them wings that came up from the shoulder, the, the sticking up in the air with her, her little uh, hairdo and stuff like that, all the glitter. Yeah, I remember the hairdo. And so yeah. for a long time, to me, that was like her signature look. You knew it was Patti LaBelle mm-hmm. because of the yeah. hair. Yep. And she didn't let that she didn't let that style go for a very long time. So when she right. finally did, it was like, where's the mohawk? You know, where's the spreaded hair? <laughs> because it really did yeah. become a part of her signature look. Final so, thoughts, Pastor Ben. Girl can say, well, I'm with you, man. You, you know, back then, they sang. They could sing. Yeah. They didn't have, they had music accompanying them. Like you said, no auto tune. Mm-hmm. You sang. Yeah. You actually auditioned to be in the background. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, you my buddy, come on, I'll put you in the background. We got all those autos and all that stuff. Mm-mm. You know, all that stuff. That stuff will, will cover up, you know, the fact that you can't really sing. Right. You take a lot of these people off auto-tune and they are out of tune. <laughs> yeah. On all their notes. Not a few. So, you know, a lot of, I think most people would say today that a lot of the music industry is more based on artist development and not voice development, if I could put it that way. Because they figure like, if you got the look or you got the style and we can mold you into the artist we want, we'll figure out what to do with your voice. 
but we're trying to sell an image now versus a voice. Yeah. Millie Vanilli. Somebody else was actually singing the song. Yeah. Him and and also I think Vanilla Ice too, wasn't it? Yeah, Vanilla Ice also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they had that they, they are they are I would probably say they are probably the first um caught versions of yeah. artist development that that went wrong. <laughs> yeah. That people what found out, wait a minute, these jokers can't say. <laughs> nope. And ever since then they've just gotten better at hiding it. Um but it's still going on. It's still going on. some awesome women, some that I never knew and, you know, finding out about them and it's like, wow. There is just so much to learn and um, and every day I'm trying to make sure I broaden my horizon as well as we um, go through these and it's exciting. It's exciting and it's inspiring, but it's also inspiring to see that there's sort of a common thread and that most of them have have overcome something really traumatic. Yeah. Um, most of them have dealt with abandonment of some form, shape or form. Most of them have dealt with being shunned or being outright rejected. But they still tend to find their way around that and they keep going. You know, to me, that's like, the resonating thing about all of these stories is they didn't let what somebody said stop them. They didn't let their childhood issues stop them. They didn't let, you know, setbacks with the band or a team member, right, or a group stop them. They kept going. And I think that's important, too, for people, you know, if we're talking about a takeaway tonight, it's Keep going. You know what you are made of. And if it's only one person listening to your music right now, you think in, in terms of music industry, if it's only one person that listens to your music or there's only one person that bought your CD, keep going. Keep making music. Keep singing. Keep playing. Um, keep expanding what it is that you want to do with your life. Because like even the, the musician, she was like, okay, yeah, I see everybody playing the piano and singing on TV, but I want to do something a little different. And it may take me a moment to catch on, right? She started with the ukulele. She didn't start out with the electric guitar, but she kept going. And so that's kind of my takeaway from it is don't stop just because it doesn't work out or it doesn't look successful to other people in other people's eyes either. Keep on moving, don't stop. Mm-hmm. That's a have, good. Have you done with that song? No stopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good place to end tonight. Thank you, Pastor Ben. This has been another episode of Daring Dialogues, and I've been your host tonight, Shantae Charles. I do apologize for the phone interruptions. Remember, light is the most daring opposition to darkness. So continue to go out 
and be what, Pastor Ben? Like. Be 